0: What a great day to be here to invite the Holy Spirit to have his way in our lives and in our hearts today. I was thinking about an article I read this week and I just want to share this with you. The article was about turning your face towards God this year, sort of a a New Year's uh, article. And in the article they talked about a type of flower called a sunflower and it's got this scientific term about it called heliotropism. I think I'm saying that right. But it's this idea of the face of the sunflower points towards the sun rising, faces the sun all day long until it sets, and then turns again to look at the sun as it comes up the next day. And so these types of plants, right, seek the sun. And they use this as an analogy to talk about what we can do with our year, to seek God, to look for his face this year, to follow him wherever he is up to, wherever he's going, whatever he's doing. And so it made me think of this psalm. And we're just using this t- this morning to just kind of uh, soften our hearts and be ready for God to move, be ready for God to, to transform us today. Uh, this comes out of Psalm 9, and it says this. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And that's a promise we can hang on to, that God is going to be with the people who seek him that he's going to love and care for the people who seek him, who earnestly look for his face and follow it wherever it goes. The psalmist earlier in that psalm says this, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. We get to do that today. We get to lift high the name of Jesus. We get to lift our voices and, and, and use our, our song to lift up praises to him today. So we just invite you, uh, just... Before we begin, actually, to just greet the people around you, say, hey, see if they've got any cool plans for their year, maybe they've got a plan to heliotropism the Lord this year. (laughs) Go ahead and stand and greet the people around you. We invite you just to to stand and join us in song as we sing that Jesus is our king forever. Let's sing this together.
1: You are victorious You are the only King forever Almighty God you lift you higher You are the only King forever Forevermore You are victorious You paid more than I deserve, more than I deserve your constant faithfulness.
2: This week's The Story Video. At the end of King Solomon's reign over Israel, God told a man named Jeroboam that he would become king over all but one of the tribes of Israel. But Solomon wasn't ready to give up the throne, so he tried to kill Jeroboam, who escaped and fled to Egypt. A short while later, Solomon died, and his son Rehoboam was named king. The people were unhappy with the heavy taxes placed on them and went to complain, along with their spokesperson, Jeroboam. Despite their complaints, the king refused to listen. Furious, most of Israel made Jeroboam their leader and lived in the northern territory called Israel, where Rehoboam ruled over the southern tribe called Judah. After being a united country for many years, Israel was now split in two. The new king of the northern territory, Jeroboam, was worried that when his people returned to the south in order to worship at the temple in Jerusalem, they might be persuaded to become loyal to Rehoboam instead of him. So he devised a plan. He constructed two golden calves and told his people that they were the gods that helped them escape from Egypt many years earlier. Then he had a huge festival to worship these gods and unbelievably, the Israelites went along with it. Then one day, Jeroboam was at one of the altars making. When a man who followed God approached Jeroboam and warned him that his kingdom would soon be ruined, Jeroboam stretched out his arm and shouted, seize him. As he did, his hand shriveled up. Terrified, Jeroboam pleaded with the man to pray for him. So the man prayed for Jeroboam's hand, and it was healed. Even after this display of God's power, Jeroboam still led the people to worship other gods. For years, Jeroboam and Rehoboam were at war. When Rehoboam died, his son and then grandson took over as kings of Judah. His son worshiped other gods just like his father. But Rehoboam's grandson, Asa, was different. Asa got rid of the idols and was fully committed to following God. The northern kingdom of Israel continued to be led by a series of wicked men none of whom followed God. One of these kings was Ahab, who did more evil in the eyes of God than any king before him. Perhaps worst of all, Ahab married Jezebel, a woman from a foreign country who convinced him in almost all of Israel to worship a foreign god named Baal. Because of this, God would need to send a messenger to set things straight. Of all the children, uh, preschool through fifth grade, who would like to go to children's worship today, All right, let's um, bow our heads and fold our hands and pray before we go. Dear Lord, thank you for bringing each of us here today to worship and learn more about you. And thank you for our teachers and our families and um, help us to have open ears and hearts to hear what we are going to learn today, amen.
3: Well, good morning, everyone. Didn't get to see you over the, well, Christmas weekend of a blizzard. And then we go within, it's only West Michigan, right? We go from that to 40s, almost 50 in green grass. And yeah, well, here we are. We're in spring. No, we'll get snow again. But uh, Happy New Year as well. Um, Thanks to Drew and JB for leading us in our combined services. on, on New Year's day, so uh, it was great to be able to watch in uh, and have a Sunday off. So uh, but good to be back. I'm Pastor Aaron. I'm campus pastor here at Watershed. Uh, a couple of announcements I have for us before we dive into uh, the message picking up on our video to this morning. The first one is uh, this week. Women's Ministry uh, is going to be hanging out at BAM, um, I think Friday night. Uh, the last day is uh, to sign up, uh, Kendra said was Tuesday. Can you do that online, Kendra? Yes. Okay, I've got the nod yes. So um, so if you're interested, uh, ladies, want to go to BAM, do some bowling, knock down some pins, join us. Uh, next week for Watershed, we have our third Sunday potluck. We're going to be resuming that. We normally will meet upstairs. If we need more room, we'll spread out out here, but that time is just designed for us to get to know each other better, hang out, share a meal. Um, if you can't come, no problem. If you can, you can bring and if you don't mind bringing something. That always helps, um, but just a great time to just share a little bit of life together. So, uh, And then the last thing I want to just say again is thank you. We talked a lot about just uh, gratitude and, and hopefully that, that spirit of gratitude continues throughout the year in your life as you see people as we seek to serve others, um, to be there for our neighbors, our friends, our family. Um, but we, we just want to say thank you as a heart of ministries. I don't have end-of-the-year numbers um, that all get finalized at the end of this month. But um, just the giving, um, as I was talking to Norland this week, and he just mentioned just the amount of people that gave together and, and how that happens throughout the year, how that happened at the end of the year, I uh, just want to say thank you again. Thanks for making ministry happen. Um, Thanks for partnering. When you hear me talk about the offering, um, we don't pass a plate here at Watershed. We have have boxes that you can can put giving into, um, but we look at it as as partnering in ministry, partnering in sharing the gospel. Um, It it really is. Uh, It's a way that you can give back to God, um, but it's also a way where you take part um, in making ministries to youth, to children, to... Uh, foreign missions to Sunday morning. So much happens, and you're part of it. Um, so again, just praising God for your generosity. I uh, want to say thank you as we kick off uh, today. Before we dive into the message, uh, let's, let's pray one more time together. God, uh, man, you're good. You're faithful, and we certainly have received more than we deserve. I mean, ultimately, that's grace, It's a gift that we couldn't earn. Lord, we couldn't couldn't come up with on our own. We couldn't be good enough. We couldn't, all kinds of couldn'ts. (laughs) But you did. In Christ, you entered our lives. You entered this world. You did the unthinkable to restore our relationship with you, to heal the divide between humanity and you. God, we're going to talk about that this morning. And I pray that you continue to heal that divide that exists in our heart, that our sin, our selfishness, our mistakes, our regrets build up. Father, and I pray too this morning as we prepare to hear about division amongst each other, Father, that you would also create in us a spirit to want to heal those divides between one another, to do what we can, Father, to To heal the divides in our communities, in our families, in our relationships. Father, we can't help it. And that's one of the things that I'm keenly aware of as we come into the message today. I can't help it. There are dumb things I do, Lord, that hurt others, that separate me from others, and certainly continue to separate me from you. But Lord, with your help, That's our hope. With your help, with your Spirit, we can begin to heal those divides. And with you, we've we've already had that wall torn down. So Holy Spirit, speak that truth into us today. Breathe your life into us through your scriptures, your Bible. Lord, and may our story align with yours as we hear it. Pray these things, Jesus, and many more prayers in your name. And all God's children said, Amen. If you're uh, new to Heart to Watershed, um, if you haven't been around for a while, we, uh, before Christmas, were journeying through the Bible, the narrative story of the Bible. So, not necessarily the uh, book by book, because all of a sudden, if you get into Proverbs or Psalms, it breaks the flow. The Bible's not quite designed to go. Narratively, right? Storyline. We, though, however, throughout this school year, um, are, are journeying through the whole storyline of the Bible. We came up to King David, uh, kind of the most famous king of Israel. And, and God's promise to King David was that he would always have a descendant on the throne. And then his next uh, kid, David's kid, Solomon, uh, proceeded to start his life out his kingship out well only to see it fail uh, and he, he did in Deuteronomy 17 there there's some there's some key teachings about what it means to be the king uh, he, he broke every one of those by the end of his life and continued to perpetuate that sin in brokenness so God said I'm gonna pull the kingdom I'm gonna split this kingdom apart now he didn't say he was gonna do that forever he didn't say there wasn't a possibility to restore it, but be, due to Solomon's sin, that kingdom would be divided. So that's where we're picking up our story today. Rehoboam and Jeroboam, we, we saw a video uh, of a kingdom divided. And I was thinking about division, and, and I was like, well, okay, when is there? There's bad division, and sometimes there's good division. I think about Good division. Um, One of the gifts of being able to be a pastor here at Hardaway is we from the outside look like we're divided We have three worshiping communities celebration fusion watershed And it can be like well, what is it because they can't get along? Well, maybe at one point in time we couldn't I don't know (laughs) Wasn't there so I won't speak to that But I am here now and I can speak to this We get along wonderfully I mean, you got to see JB and and, and Drew working together last week. I got to work with Jane as we we put a video together for Christmas. Kind of last minute because a blizzard was going to get worse. And then all of a sudden Sarah's planning with Pastor Bill. And we don't normally all work together. I mean, we work together, but we don't work together. And somehow we could pull it off. Like there's this divide and conquer mentality (laughs) that we have. That we're all in it for Jesus. All we care about as a staff here at Heartlake is that you connect to Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and we have that shared mission, that shared purpose to see everyone joining in the journey of being found and formed by following Jesus. Watershed, we say. Freedom, friendship, rest, right? We want you to know the gospel. But we are all working together. While we may have different worship styles, while some people may like hearing JB better than me, or Bill better than me, fine. So what? If it's about Jesus, if you enjoy the organ more than you enjoy rock and roll, fine. But if it's about Jesus, it's all we care about. How about with kids? How many of you have kids? Have you ever played zone defense on your children? Divide and conquer, right? Shared mission, shared purpose. How about at work? You separate into teams, right? To accomplish a different end goal. Divide and conquer. The division that we talk about in that way is one where unity holds it together, right? Shared mission, shared purpose. That isn't the division we're talking about today. Because the division we're talking about today that we see in the Scripture is a a division that is its root causes sin. It separates us from one another. It puts us at odds. It it makes us fight. It makes us bicker. It it divides relationships so so that it seemingly can never be restored. I'm going to say this morning, that isn't the way of the kingdom of God. Jesus, in his last prayer on earth in John 17 especially for the church. Prayed that we might be one as he was one with his Father and with the Holy Spirit. So God's heart is for us to be together. And the story we're going to hear divides. So I want to dive into that a little bit this morning. We're going to... We, most of our video today uh, told the story of Jeroboam. He, he became the king of ten tribes of Israel. If you're a really, really like close technical reader of scripture, it gets interesting to count the tribes. We won't get into that, but like there's two tribes and it's seemingly three that ends up being Judah and then one tribe kind of gets split. So it looks like so, let's, we're not going to get into all the technicalities, okay? But Jeroboam has 10 tribes. Rehoboam has two. I want to go to the story just before we saw in Jeroboam and look at Rehoboam. He is Solomon's son and the, the kingdom is not quite yet divided, but let's look and see how his sin catalyzes the division. So, First Kings, starting in chapter 12, verse 1. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him king. Now, when Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard this, he was still in Egypt, where he fled from King Solomon, and he returned from Egypt. We saw that briefly in the video. Solomon when he heard that the kingdom, part of the kingdom, was going to be get, given to Jeroboam, uh, Solomon pursues him, and, and so Jeroboam leaves and flees to Egypt. But now that he knows Rehoboam's back in, he's coming back, he's interested. In verse 3, so they sent for Jeroboam, right? Many people followed him because he was a, this upstanding guy, he was well-respected. And he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam, and they said to him, your father put a heavy yoke on us. But now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke that he's put on us, and we'll serve you. So Solomon, some of the background there, he had the people, he had forced labor for seven years to build a temple, 14 more years to build palace, his palace. And, and we're talking not like easy labor, forced hard labor. He made a lot of wealth on the sweat on the backs of others. There were injustices that were taking place. Again, there was a reason why the kingdom was taken out of Solomon's hands. Well, Rehoboam answered, go away for three days and come back to me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people? It's kind of an interesting way to phrase it, isn't it? How would you advise me to answer these people? Not our people, these people. Listen to their response. They replied, well, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they're going to always be your servant. How many of you would say that's pretty wise? Right? Like, hey, if you're on their good side, they're going to be good with you. If if it's been really hard for about 21 years, and you relieve that load, don't you think they're going to have your back? But, verse 8, oh, here we go. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young man who had grown up with him and were serving him. Uh Uh-oh. He asked them, what, What's your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, Lighten your yoke, your father has put on us. And the young man who had grown up with him replied, These people have uh, has said to you, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Tell them, My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Oy, oy, oy. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam as king and said, Come back to me in three days. The king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given him by the elders. He followed the advice of the young men My father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for this turn of events was from the Lord. God was allowing this to take place, to to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken to Jeroboam, son of Nebat, through Ahijah, the Shilonite. When all of Israel saw that the king refused to listen to them, they answered the king, what share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? To your tents, Israel, look after your own house, David. So the Israelites went home. But as for the Israelites who were living in the towns of Judah, Rehoboam still ruled over them. This is God's word for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Tell oh, man, my pinky, my little fingers. Thicker than my father's waist. First thing that comes to my mind is I think about division this morning and I think about Solomon's division, his sin, but Rehoboam's that, that catalyzes this division is the word what, arrogance. Right? What is the first thing the elders say to him? If you would only be basically, if you would serve these people, if you as leader, would see your role as one who would serve rather than be served. That was your father. That was the reason why, one of the reasons why God was judging him. He was served rather than to be served. Maybe we wouldn't be divided. I wonder this morning how many times you face division due to arrogance. How many times, listen, I got to say this morning, this is a hard message to preach because there's a lot of moments where I see myself in the mirror. Because that's what sin does. Sin from the very beginning divided Adam and Eve with God. It divided Adam and Eve with one another. I, I, I mean, sin broken, it creates division. So when I think about arrogance, when I think of myself better than, instead of seeing my, my role in this world to be a servant, to follow the ways of Jesus, what happens? Division takes place for Rehoboam. That arrogance. To not listen to the elders, those who have been there. Those who are going, hey, you know what? We lived through all of those years. We've watched your, fa- your father. Oh, by the way, you might want to. If, if you would serve them, they'll be with you. How many of you would say, yeah, dude, that was some really wise advice? Amen? Right? <laughs> like, duh. But just like in our culture, it happened then. Do we always listen to those who've gone before us? Who've learned as they've walked through the fray? as they've made mistakes and hopefully learned from them? Nah, you're just old. Go over there. He goes to his friends, right? But in his heart, too, I, I come up this word. This word cuts me deep. Stubborn. How many of you like to be a little stubborn? Anybody? Uh-uh. I want to hear what I want to hear. I don't like what you have to say, so I'm going to go find somebody who will tell me what I want to hear. That's stubbornness. How many times has our stubbornness created a divide with another? I'm the immovable object. Don't think that you can move me. I'll move you, but you ain't moving me. Stubbornness breeds the divide. Man, in that stubbornness, he goes to his friends, he talks with them, and and, and it's it's that little finger thing, man. Oh, that, that, that egotistical mind, right? I'm going to scourge you with whips and scorpions. My goodness. How many times do not only our arrogance, our our stubbornness, but our ego get involved? Especially if you've bruised my ego, right? None of us have ever had that happen. No, we've we've never. It divides. It divided a kingdom. Divided the people of God. It divides today. I can tell you this about about i and and learn because I've been able to live in one season. I'm almost at four years here again. For those of you who don't know, I was here for four years back in the early aughts, okay, in the early 2000s. and, And I've lived through a couple different seasons. And sometimes we as a church, because we're normal human beings, right, we, sorry, that's the way it happened. Egos get involved, right? We get a little stubborn. We get a little arrogant. I've watched those moments where we've, we've had some things fall apart. But I've also, like I shared at the beginning, gotten to be a part of this team where it seems like everybody corporately is saying, you know what, we can't do that. Because if we do that, it only leads us down a path we're not supposed to be. And it, it's amazing to see men and women who, who, who have a heart for God who are trying to lay that aside. And even when it happens... The ability to say, that's not how I want it to be. And we'll talk about how how do we heal some of those divides in in just a little while. We can't help but it happen because we're human beings, right? Amen? When sin is part of our story, we can't help but have divides, struggle with arrogance, stubbornness, ego. How about a little narrow-mindedness? We talked uh, this week, Bill, JB, and I about the echo chamber that Rhea Bone put himself in. How many times in social media do we put ourselves in an echo chamber? We say something to only people who agree with us. How many times we do that over a cup of coffee, or, or we find the person who you know at work who, who, who they're just going to say yes to what we're throwing out there. It's a narrow-mindedness that exists. Right? We can't do that if we're going to work together with a shared vision. We're, we can't do that if we're going to be a people together. The living God, Jesus, what did he say? He said, I'm, I'm here to I'm, do my Father's will. The Holy Spirit serves Jesus, the King, and the Father in heaven. They can't, be, they can't for one moment go out on their own and think their own. They, they have to work corporately. Now, this is radically different than our culture, isn't it? Or we are told, you need to be an individual. You don't belong to the rest, and the rest don't belong to you. But see, that's not so in the kingdom of God. When we take that approach, it only divides. When we look for the echo chambers simply to agree with us, that narrow-mindedness only splits things apart. And what do we see in Rehoboam is just a complete and utter indifference. It's not an apathy. It's indifference. You're suffering? I don't care. So what? How many of you have made a social media post where you say, I don't care? So what? How many times have you just blatantly made a statement? I don't care. So what? Looks like you said it. I talk about this this morning. I'm as much talking to myself. Indifference never sees the value in another. Rehoboam saw those people, he didn't see our people. Right? All of this, this ego, this arrogance, right? He's it really self centered. But that's true of all of us, isn't it? Tim Keller. Um, Says talks about just even having a God that differs with us. If you don't know Tim Keller, as pastor, author. Um, he's been actually dealing with cancer. Um, in, in, in a battle for cancer, but God's been kind of preserving him. But he says this, and I, I thought it was really good. Uh, actually, Pastor Bill brought this up, and, and I think it bears repeating for us. If your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. If your God doesn't disagree with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. If you can't handle somebody else disagreeing with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. I know that to be true in me. And very quickly, right? We think we're on the throne. And anytime we think we're God, somebody else does, it's like two gods conflicting and confronting one another. But the story of the scriptures is there's one God, not many gods. Many who are created in his image, loved beautifully wonderfully crafted and made. His image exists in every one of us. And in fact, Jesus came to redeem that image, to rescue us, but we're never God. Out of gratitude, we bend our knee to Him. Out of gratitude, we're welcomed into a kingdom where we can be unified in Him. So when we fight for division, when we perpetuate it, when we press it, Folks, we're stepping out of that kingdom. We're being something we weren't created to be or rescued to be. In the rest of chapter 12, uh, we got to see Jeroboam. And uh, this is from the Brit gospel, so, you know, why not? Throw a few Jedi in the background too, right? <laughs> but Jeroboam, just as he starts to lead the ten tribes of Israel... The first thing he do he does is he sets up not one golden calf. If we remember back to when Israel was rescued out of Egypt, right? The people set up a golden calf at the mountain. This was this great sin. This bonehead sets up two. <laughs> Puts them at Bethel and Dan. Completely ignorant of the people he's now called to lead. Completely ignorant of when God, through Ahijah, approached him in 1 Kings 11 and said, by by the way, if you follow me and keep my commands, it will go well for you. So his first grand moment of leadership, out of fear, by the way, I'm scared they're going to go to Jerusalem. (laughs) I'm going to set up these golden calves in Dan and Bethel, and I want you to worship them. So God sends this prophet. He reaches out at one point in time. In the prophet, we saw that in the video, and his hand like withers. How many of you would freak out? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, just, uh-oh, withers. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, like, okay, heels. You think he'd get his, his, his picture? You know, get, get his attention? Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> he goes back to setting up more high places, setting up priests who are not of the Levitical who were supposed to be of the priestly people. He sets in line now what will be every king to follow a bonehead in Israel. There was not one king for the next 200 years in Israel that was good because he continued to set up those high places. Those high places continued to exist. And we'll continue, we'll we'll talk more about this. The section we're in in the scripture, now it starts in about 925 B.C. And we're going to move towards Jesus. But there is just a lot of years where, man, there's a lot of ugly. Just to give you a a clue for Judah, they were around about 400-ish years uh, versus Israel's 200. And they only had five-ish good kings. okay. So neither one has a great track record. But Jeroboam, right, creates more division. How does he do it? Well, let me throw this back up. Ignorance. Sometimes we create division because we just don't know better. We don't have all the information. We don't have understanding about what has been. We, we don't, um, like Rehoboam, want to listen to those who have been there. Ignorance comes and shows itself in a lot of different ways We make statements a lot of times thinking we know all better than people who are doing it. I mean it it exists in us And it divides What did I say also is is for Jeroboam? He was afraid the people would go back to Jerusalem to worship God in fear right? fear of different fear of What would happen fear in the fact that he didn't trust that God's word was good it was just in his own thoughts. Our, our stinking thinking sometimes leads us into places. But all of these things divide. I wonder in our lives. Folks, this isn't. These, aren't, these while they're lists, they're not exhausted. There are more things, aren't there? As we think about the divisions in our life, my question for you this morning is, how are you contributing to them? to think about how are you either contributing to them or just kind of moving the the ball along and just keeping it moving along without any chance for there to be healing. Now, as I say, I understand there are some divides that this side of God's return, last week, J.B. preached of a kingdom that would be finally and fully restored. It's in that kingdom we will see all divides healed some we will still for, for whatever reason feel feel the pieces of feel the remnants of in our lives whether we no matter how much we do but the question still remains is am i moving for a unity am i open to the reality of there to be a healing am i living out the kingdom or am i playing the game of this world because here's what Jesus came to do, Ephesians 2, 13 to 14. Paul writes this to the Ephesians church. They're primarily outsiders, Gentiles, the Bible would say. Right? So they're not even Jewish. But he says this. He says that, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Our sin has completely separated every one of us from God. We all are on equal playing field. But, In Christ, we've been restored. For he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus' very mission, like I started, what was his desire that we would be one? God, in human form, tears down walls that divide. His MO was first to restore us to the living God. In spite of our sins, in spite of our brokenness, in in spite of our mistakes, he would take those things on a cross. We'd take all of that punishment on him so you and I could have freedom and have relationship again with God. That's his M.O. Even when we were enemies. I don't know about you, sometimes that's how I think about divide, is would I pray for my enemy? That's something you want to think about this week. Who's the people you consider as enemies? And would you even pray for them? Maybe that's a, a starting point. Maybe it begins to say, you know what, I, what would it look like to pray for somebody I just absolutely err. <laughs> we all got it, right? Everybody got a little "er. Does everyone want to collectively just get a little "er" out? I mean, this, this church, this worship, right? we? All right One, two, three. errr Yeah, there you go. It's good for the soul. Right? But Jesus came so that we could be restored to God, but we could also be restored together. That not only would he bring restoration to a divided kingdom, a people of Israel, but he would, div- he would bring together a whole world. So I wonder today, just like kind of what breeds our, our division, what helps heal it? And again, not an exhaustive list, but these are things I know in my heart that I'm, I'm working on with Jesus The first is humility. Do we think ourselves better then, or do we see ourselves as someone who would serve others? Do I think that, man, the world revolves around me? (laughs) Well, I don't think that. I just act that way. (laughs) But am I a humble person? Am I allowing myself to see myself In the mirror, allowing myself to see myself in the eyes of God as someone who has needed a rescue from Him, not because I was perfect, because I was utterly lost. And you know what? So was everybody else. Just because I know Jesus doesn't make me better than anyone. I just know the one who's rescued me and rescued them. So, humility, about this, it takes forgiveness, doesn't it? Takes the ability to say I'm sorry and ask for forgiveness. Takes the ability to offer it. For some of us, uh, can be with one person. This can be a lifelong journey. And when we get into the realities of hurts and pains, but living into forgiveness is living into possibility. I want to say that again. Living into forgiveness is living into possibility. Right? Are we going to get this side of, of Jesus returning, a fully healed, restored kingdom, all division? No. and it's going to take Jesus coming back for every wall to be torn down. But when we forgive, we're leaning into that future. We're leaning into the possibility to be restored. In forgiveness also comes taking responsibility. We also have to take responsibility for our part in things. We have to take responsibility for the things that we can control and also learn to take responsibility for the things that we can't in such a way that I mean this. It's not your responsibility the things you can't control. (laughs) However, if what you do causes some junk, you might actually have some responsibility. And that brings us to this next point of understanding. That maybe, instead of being narrow-minded, instead of the echo chambers, maybe we actually have to understand sometimes the impact of the things we say. Maybe we have to understand the impact of our actions and our posture. Maybe we have to understand and take responsibility for the things we didn't do, right? I mean, all of this together are pieces that can bring about healing. Jesus, on his Sermon on the Mount, says what? Blessed are the peacemakers. Are we people who work towards peace, towards shalom, towards together and unity, or are we people who don't care, are indifferent about it? God's kingdom is about bringing together with peacemakers. This one one hurts a little, self-control. Right? Anyone? <sighs> Got to take 10 seconds before making the next action. Right? Say in the next thing. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> Verbal processors. Raise your hand in the room, please. No, <laughs> sorry. Self-control. Patience, right? Restraint. Rehoboam shows hostility. I know I can be that way sometimes. But I know every time that hostility is never breed <laughs> unity, it's only divided. Even if I had a good reason to feel that way, I'm still responsible for how I respond. And then finally, wisdom. Something Rehoboam didn't want to listen to, something Jeroboam couldn't accept from God. Wisdom, as we went through our Proverbs series A while a while back we talked about it's getting God in wisdom is getting God in the right place and then taking what he has to say and applying that to our lives. Sometimes it's wise to keep our mouths shut, sometimes it's wise to speak. I don't know if it's ever wise to respond on social media, just saying, I know I'm picking on social media today, but where do we see a lot of division? Because when we put the buffer of a human being once removed. It's a whole lot easier to say, I don't give a crap about what you think. Who you are and what you do. Is that the way of Jesus? Died even to save those who were enemies. Wisdom. A divided kingdom in the Old Testament. Thankfully, the story doesn't end there. We have a son who would come in the line of David throughout all those kings, 900 years later, who would break down the wall, the dividing wall, the wall of hostility, so that we would be joined to God and we would be able to be joined together. And he's gifted us his spirit, the power and presence to work towards that. And if Jesus prays for that, don't you think he's going to equip us to work in the same way? Don't you think he'll be with us to work towards healing divides instead of continuing to cause them? Praise be to God for rescuing from me from all of the divisions I've created. They hurt. Sorry they suck. Some of them we still live with today still try to mend. But I'm also grateful that those ends and divisions are never the end. That in Christ there's hope. And that hope is a living power that dwells within each of us by his spirit, and by his grace. And the one who has called us will equip us. Let's pray. God, we thank you again for healing the divide that exists. The divide that, Lord, we can't help it in some ways. The sin in our lives, the brokenness, our our self-centeredness, and again, I could go through that whole list, Lord, I, I won't. I mean, it boils down to self-centeredness, to, to pride. To us worshiping ourselves more than bending our knee before you. Lord, thank you for taking all that on the cross. For dying to make those things right. And that, that's this seed of new life. Oftentimes, those things we've made wrong, we're going to have to join you in the work of Rebuilding. Restoring. Father, I pray that you give us the courage not only to see and recognize where we cause divides, where we're part of them, where we contribute to them, where we move them forward, but Lord, that we would also join you in the work to heal them. Lord, that we would ask for forgiveness, that we would become more humble that we would seek to serve instead of be served, that we would be a little less indifferent, that we would actually care about the impact our lives have on others. Lord, we're going to need courage to go down that road in strength. My confidence this morning for us in that is this. You're with us in it. And like we just said, God, if you're calling us, you equip us. So help us to keep leaning into the kingdom, leaning into the day that will be one day where all those walls will be brought down and that we would start to see signs of that new life here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, help us, guide us, lead us, and again, thank you for your grace and your mercy. You are the Lord, our God, in your ever faith. God, we pray these things in many more prayers in the name of Jesus. All God's people say, Amen.
0: It's not the end of the story for Rahab and Jeroboam, and it's not the end of the story for you and I. We can declare today that we want to seek unity, which can only be found in Christ. So we're going to sing the song together, and there's just a part of the song that says, God, we won't move without you. We want to follow you. We want to lean into your ways and not do things our way. We don't want to create division, but we want to be. Unified and the only way is to all of us seek Jesus. So let's stand together as we sing this together.
1: See yeah.
3: at the heart of it, if God is our Lord, good news is he's going to help us. He's going to help us keep moving in the direction. Step away from division and into together. Into unity. Into a kingdom that looks a little bit more like heaven. Come down on earth. And he's going to equip us. So as you work towards that, as you live into healing the divides, receive this blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord, lift up his countenance, his smile upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. Um, If you don't mind stacking a couple chairs, we'd appreciate it. Otherwise, feel free to hang out, chat, or have a great week.